Mike, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Hello, midnight <laughs> on the other side of the world. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me on this show. Yep, I'm here in Devon where we're under a heavy cloud and everything is a drizzly cold November. But life is good. Life is good. Thank you. It is indeed. And let's talk about Devon for a moment because, of course, it's the place where most of the Londoners scream away at any chance they can. They'll either go to Blackpool or Brighton or Devon. So what is it about Devon that draws everybody out there when the chance is available? Ah, Devon, Devon, you could say Devon is the center of peace. You could say a lot of people go further west, they go to Cornwall where the, the wind blows and the sea roars and you get a, a, an intimate sense of nature. But in Devon, there's a lot of trees and a lot of river valleys, and there's, there is an immense sense of peace. And would you say, Tobias, that that's where you feel you get these beautiful Werther woods, these, these special timber that you use to create these string sounding bowls? Perhaps you'd like to elaborate about that? Hmm. Trees, yeah. I've loved trees since I was small. Who doesn't love trees? I love trees, know? man. I love yeah. trees. <laughs> um, and perhaps that's why I, I settled once I landed here in Devon. Perhaps that's why I settled, because all the trees are so beautifully rooted here, you know. Um, when you understand that the trees are growing out of their leaves down into the roots, you know, then you, then you, you feel rooted in the presence of a tree. So, yeah, I mean, are, are, are the woods I use special? In one sense, of course, they are. In another sense, they're not. And what, what happens with sounding bowls is that the ordinary and the everyday becomes special because of the way you treat it. This is the magic of the whole of my way is that wonder releases the hidden secrets within the everyday reality. You don't have to go and seek something special. You don't have to go off and get a guru. You don't have to find the hidden master. The secrets are right here under your hands, under your feet, in front of your eyes. And all you have to do is sit still in wonder and allow the secrets to reveal themselves from behind the surface of nature. You know, Tobias, I think what you've reflected there is something that humanity really needs to embrace, and that is we're all blessed with the greatest teacher that stares back at us in the mirror every day we look into it, and that is ourselves. We don't need the gurus. We don't need the ascended masters. We don't need all of that subservient and somewhat dogmatic spiritual value that we're conditioned to believe we do need. We just need to trust in the greater self-love that we have for, for self and other self. Wouldn't you agree? I, I would, Mike. I would. Uh, slightly conditionally, because modern education teaches us that the truth is somewhere else and we have to be given it or we have to go and find it. And it can, be, it can take a while to break out of this conditioning of modern education. So a lot of initial spirituality for people is, a, is an issue of going and looking for some truth somewhere rather than sitting and allowing it to reveal itself. But yes, the, the, the real truth is right here, just as you say. And this is this key point in human development at the moment where the panic that we are all in is making us rush around, look for somebody to have the right answers, somebody to make it safe again, somebody to make it all right. 
Whereas if we sit with the reality that life and death are two sides of the same coin, when we sit with the reality that joy and suffering are necessary for each other, then we realize that life is not a matter of finding safety or even truth. Life is an adventure and our relationship with life, our relationship with this moment is what reveals the adventure. You know, I think that that really resonates a lot for me because what you're talking about is understanding that liberation is a matter of choice. And I think that sound vibration and the oscillating bands of frequency that currently permeate our planet right now, and we're going through this powerful integration phase of, of, of somewhat absorbing, if you like, into the cellular structure, these higher illuminated light codes which are very, very much part of tuning us back in like original tuning forks to the original genetic blueprint. And that we need to just understand that the very basis of doing that is the fact that life is designed to be a constant expression of possibility and probability collapsed into form that becomes very much a very beautiful, a very empowering journey on the planet. I think there's a lot in that. I think um, you could say that uh, vibration is the sound way forwards. I like that. Um, I like that. The, 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 the movement from being eye dependent, from looking, from seeing the world through the eyes to seeing the world through the ears, you might say, to listening, is the movement from the surface of things, which is revealed by the light, into the inner nature of things, which is revealed by sound. You know, if you, if you have a, a, a bell with a slight crack in it, it looks perfect to the eye, but you sound it and immediately know that its inner nature is broken. And this is, this is the whole key that we move from focusing on the outer surface of things to the inner nature of things. Beautiful. I love that. Keep going. Well, the simplest aspects of sound meditation are that one notices the inner response to what comes in through the senses. Yeah? So if you take something like this... ..and you notice what rises in you... ..and if you don't notice it straight away... Try putting in a different sound like this one. And you can feel immediately a different response in the body between this and this. Yeah? So I'll undo the painful one, go back to the harmonious one. Yeah? So if you sit with what rises inside you, then you are reflecting sound in the right way. Because the sound is about the inner nature of things. And when we, when we come back to the inner response that rises in the body in response to sound, in response to really all sense impressions, but let's use sound as the key here. When you respond, when you focus in on what rises in the body in response to the sound, you are energizing your true self. 
when most of our learning is done by, again, seeking out facts, accumulating facts, putting facts into a structure so that our mind works like a library, we can find what we need and we can put two and two together in a very structural way. That's great for everyday practical outer life, but it doesn't feed the inner man. To feed the inner man, you need to ask, what is my inner response to this? And sound is an excellent education for that because the inner response to this is so different to the inner response to this or the inner response to this and this. Yeah. So you are discovering, you're on a journey of discovery of the inner man, the inner human being, the inner self. Yeah. And when we sit back and watch, what's happening in me when I hear that? When we sit back and watch that, then we are noticing, we're distinguishing between the higher self and the everyday self, yeah? Because the response is happening in the everyday self, but it's the higher self that's saying, what is actually happening here? Okay. So then you are, you're strengthening the inner self of the everyday self, and you're strengthening the ability of the higher self to sit back and watch and say, what is actually happening here? And that's the key to all development, that we use wonder, which is the word you opened with. You, we use wonder. Yeah? When we bring wonder to bear on the world, then the world reveals itself. I think mankind is discovering resonance for the first time. It's definitely, it's definitely a, big, uh, a, big, um, a big move that's happening here. And a, a lot of teachers have pointed ahead to a time when we would move from the eyes to the ears, when we would move from number, weight and measure that everyday science is based on to the relationships between things that sound is based on. Because music is all about the relationships between things. We count music as vibration in hertz and miles an hour and stuff like that. And that's okay. That's a head way of knowing sound. But the heart's way of knowing sound is to notice that one sound is different to another and that these two are harmonious and these two are disharmonious and how disharmony makes us feel alive. It's a lacrity. It's a, a, a little kick in the pants saying, wow, what? What next? Whereas harmony is building us and sustaining us and feeding us. Yeah? So these relationships, again, relationships are the structure of life itself that we are moving into away from the, the head knowledge that has brought us to where we are now. Do you believe that the fact that the sounding bowl that you develop with strings because strings, as you know, they oscillate and they vibrate at different wavelengths. Indeed. Do you believe that they have the ability to kind of express a language of their own, a language that only the inner mind can actually subconsciously understand? You know, the effect that sounding bowls have on people is astonishing. They are in use now all over the world, even though we've only made 650 odd, 660 sounding bowls in 34 years. They are already in use all over the world. They're used in hospitals in Brisbane and Sydney, in New York and, and Philadelphia. They're used in clinics in, in Scandinavia and um, you know, for sound healing in, in Japan. All over the world, sounding bowls are used. And the feedback we get says again and again 
that people met when they met with a sounding bolt they drop into the heart that people who are locked in the head or lost in the head or or are um, occupied with fear and concern let go and drop into the heart and we get this feedback from high security psychiatric prisons we get this feedback from old folks' homes. We get this feedback from children's clinics, from trauma clinics, from cancer clinics. Give them a sounding bowl, they drop into the heart. And there's something about the integration of the wood and the sacred geometry and the finesse of the workmanship and the, uh, everything put together that creates an instrument that just helps people to drop into the heart. Sometimes it's just on seeing it. The number of times I've seen myself and heard from many other therapists, you open the box and somebody just bursts into tears. Wow. The, because the, the, the visual beauty of these instruments is as important to us as the sound. We are making a multidimensional sculpture. And because of the love of beauty that we bring both to the eye and the ear aspects of what we're doing, because of that love of beauty, that sculpture becomes a channel for spirit. And so the spirit that lives in the human heart is able to wake up and say, listen, so that people drop their center of attention from the head into the heart. So what I'm beginning to get from this now is the fact that we're dealing with a soul instrument, right? We're dealing with something that echoes the, the transpersonal nature and sentiment of the soul. And that perhaps people tuning back into that soul frequency are understanding that as long as we don't attach any agenda or any expectation or responsibility that this is going to fix me up and I'm never going to have to worry about things again. And so therefore, I believe that there is a kind of an energetic exchange between the individual that uses the instrument to tune the soul rather than this is a fix it for me. This is going to take care of things. Can we... You're absolutely right to draw the distinction between something that, that is a, a stairway to one's personal development and something that fixes you. That's an excellent distinction. You know, you get in a lift and it takes you to the floor you want. That's technology for you. You yeah. get to a staircase and you have to take step after step up the staircase in order to arrive at the level you want to arrive at. That is spiritual development. So there is, if we're still looking for a lift, then we will be changing the world into a machine to serve us and the world will die and human beings will die. But if we're looking for our personal development and more and more millions of people are now, this COVID thing has been wonderful for waking people up to, wow, who's in charge here? If I leave this to the politicians, they're going to make a mess of it. If I leave this to the doctors, they're going to jam me full of drugs and try and uh, fix the situation which will probably cost me more than getting ill would whereas it, it, you you return to the fact who's in charge of my life am i giving this over to the politicians and the doctors or am i taking this charge for myself and then the question arises how can i in the situation i'm in take charge of my life and from there you get to the bottom of the staircase from there you say right step 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 
I fix my diet, I fix my intentionality, I take up meditation, I fix my job, maybe, you know, give up one job and, and take up that which I've always known I can do. Whatever it is you have to do, it's the small steps. And the sounding bowl can be just such a step for people. It can be a tool to make meditation possible where it wasn't before. I had a couple of clients locally, actually, um, and... Uh, um, they were sisters in their 70s. Um, one of them had cancer and the other one was looking after her. And um, their uncle had died and, uh, and left them a piano that didn't fit in their house and they couldn't play. He'd been a very successful pianist. So they, they sold the piano and put the money towards the quality of the, the life that they were living there together in a bungalow by the sea. And uh, they bought a couple of sounding bowls, one each. And they wrote to me afterwards and they said, you know, we tried taking up meditation years ago. And the meditation teacher said, you just have monkey minds. We couldn't get it. <laughs> but when we play our sounding bowls, our monkeys hang from a single branch and listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is it. The monkey hangs from a single branch and listens because the quality of this sound is full of harmonics. Harmonics are relationships. The relationships in this sound occupy the beauty in the soul. Because of the beauty of the shape, because of the beautiful nature of wood itself, because of the love that's been put into making it the harmonics in that are of such a nature that the soul just goes ah oh, and sits still and listens monkey hangs i love it i'm just getting a vision right now actually of you as a druid with your cloak on and your gray hooded cloak and you're literally you know you're, you're, you're passing the bowl around and you're, you're looking at the dimensionality of what you're going to do and all that Let's talk about the, this is alchemy. This is pure alchemy from what I'm gathering here. It's alchemy. How did you, yes. how did you get immersed into that? Where did the inspiration come from? How did Tobias K initially come by the fact that if I add these, these brass and or copper strings to these tuning poles stretched across the resonance of this beautiful piece of wood, that I would get these harmonic overtones. And you have to go back before that. You have to go back before that. Go. Because this, you know, this, 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 the, the sounding bowl is both the culmination of uh, years of work and also the beginning of years of work, of joy. Okay. You know, uh, my parents were into Rudolf Steiner. And uh, Rudolf Steiner has got an awful lot to offer uh the 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 developing soul Absolutely. if one yeah if you're coming from the head particularly rudolf steiner has got so much deep spiritual knowledge to offer that the head gets satisfied and the heart can begin to open yeah um rudolf steiner talks about wonder as the basis of all development yeah so as a teenager, I went around looking for where I could find answers from. And I went to the Divine Light Mission. I went to the um, Krishnamurti. I went to the uh, Scientologists. 
and each place I went, I gathered a little bit, I gained a little bit. I studied with shamans in, in, in America, Native Americans, and um, I learned how my own path is the relationship. There is no right set way to follow. Yes, there are exercises to do. And I trained various aspects of my soul spiritual capacities using various exercises from Steiner, from the shamans, from uh, Krishnamurti. And the opening to what wants to flow through then begins to become clearer. Yeah. And so you realize, I realized that who I am is not important so much as what I can do. Yeah, and what I can allow to happen. We come back to that phrase of yours of uh, focus without uh, structure, yeah, yeah? or uh, intention without agenda. Yeah, so you hold the space and you watch what comes through. Now, as a wood turner, that's not hard to do because when you're cutting wood, the shavings that flow over the gouge as you are cutting, especially on a lathe, because the wood is driven round and round by the machine, and you're holding the gouge in your hands, and the shavings that flow over there, they either dance or they run from the point of cut uh, with a sort of desperation, because the way in which you hold the tool is either friendly to the wood or it's merely effective. Yeah. And if you're watching the way the shavings dance, then uh, the, the process of cutting becomes a meditation. Okay. So from that point, then, you, uh, any block of woods in, in your hands can begin to speak. Yeah. So you take a piece of wood and you say, okay, what can I make of this? And you put it up on the lathe and you begin cutting and it's what it wants to become in relationship with you begins to become evident. Yeah? It, it's a famous uh, artistic process. You know, um, uh, who was that guy who painted the Sistine Steeling? Raphael, was it? Uh, um, Michelangelo. Michael, Michelangelo. Yeah, Michelangelo. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And, and he's, anyway, it was one of those guys. He said, you know, how did I do the Pieta? Somebody asked him, he said, well, I just chipped away the bits which weren't necessary. Yeah. And this is it. As a craftsman, whether you're going chip, 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 or whether you're holding your gouge against a moving piece of wood, as a craftsman, it's that attention to the moment that releases the unexpected. Yeah. So form itself is a language. And if you... If you listen to the flow of curvature that is possible from any one piece of wood, yeah, the, 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 the piece can reveal its sublime beauty. Now, I never managed a Pieta, but some of the bowls I managed did change the space they went into. Yeah? So uh, people would say to me, whenever somebody comes into my room, they look at your bowl first, or they go straight to your bowl, or whenever anybody's sitting here, they, they, they pick your bowl up and play with it, or, or whatever, yeah? Because the, the bowl becomes a focal point in the space because it's speaking its own language, 
Yeah? The vast majority of things in our homes today are manufactured by machine, which means that a piece of material has been taken and it's been stamped or, or forced into a shape to serve us. It has not been asked, what do you want to become? Yeah? Whereas when something is handmade with sensitivity, and the modern handmaker has forgotten sensitivity, we've got 250 years of machine working in our blood now. That's what, five generations, yeah? Um, at least, it's more like seven generations, seven isn't it? Generations yeah. might be more accurate. Hey? Seven generations might be more accurate. Seven generations is a classic time, isn't it? That we forget things. Seven generations on, we forget things. And in 250 years, most of us have forgotten what it means to work with your hands. Yeah. So your modern craftsman has got this power tool and that power tool and this machine, and he takes this piece of wood and he puts it through that machine and runs this machine over it and that machine over it and then sprays it with another one, and it looks wonderful but it's not speaking its own language. So it doesn't have spiritual power. Yeah. It has been made into a servant and not into a teacher. Yeah. Whereas if you take a piece of wood and you interpret its own language, if you allow it to speak into what you are making and you work in relationship with the wood itself, both with the quality of the shaving and with the language of the piece of the block itself, then this piece of wood is released to become a teacher in your space and not just a servant. I've got to say, if this is intuitive alchemy, right? You are allowing your intuitive nature and the intuitive nature of the process to present itself to you without, as you said, there's no limitation, there's no boundary, there's no agenda or expectation. It's, when I watch the video and with the lathe, you know, with the great big, like almost like a crowbar into yeah. the brain of the actual, you know, the, the, the bowl shape. And I see the shavings literally in perfect harmony in a harmonic resonance, creating this sort of centrifugal, you know, sacred geometry. Yeah. It's like it's like it's saying, oh, push a little deeper. I want to go a little deeper there or pull it back a little because... I wouldn't mind being a little bit lighter there. It's speaking to you. And you're the yeah. first person, I must say, Tobias, that understands that the biggest thing that this world needs, that humanity needs, that our species needs now is a common lexicon, a language in which we can all express our truth and our authentic self without mm. the limitations imposed upon what the language expresses itself as. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, it makes me want to cry when you say that. It's so, so to the point. This is absolutely the key point that we're resting on. And it's all about relationship. I know I've said it before. It's relationship. And there are two relationships to look at. One is our relationship with the world, which yep. is nature and other human beings. And our other, the other relationship is the relationship with our own heart. Absolutely. Yeah. And the head, heart and gut of the human being are servants that can be released to become teachers in the way I described with the wood. Yeah. If we listen to your, to your own thinking instead of pushing it around and making it serve what you think you want, 
if you listen to your own heart instead of pouring music into it and making it, you know, uh, recorded music and, and making your heart feel this and feel that. If you listen to your own gut and begin to learn from the intuition that rises there, then you're in relationship with yourself. And the relationship with the self and the relationship with nature and other human beings, these two work together. These are musicians in a band. Yeah. And when we listen to our musicians and we get our musicians to play together, then nature and the human soul become the teacher that we came here to find. As they say, we are the ones we've been waiting for. We and we just to, have to learn to listen. We do. And I want to bring this into a, a kind of a more general context now for my listeners. What Tobias is saying, because he's coming from a much higher octave of, of what I would call a spiritual attunement when he talks like this. But this is not, this is not um, different to what, is we, what we've become conditioned to as quantized man-made machine music, right? Everything we hear on the radio is sparked in the 440 chaos frequency. It's all about relentless banging and clanging and there's no real kind of, you know, um, underbelly. There's no resonance and or real kind of depth to it anymore. There's so many tricks and cliches, aren't there, in modern music. If you listen to The Voice or one of these singing competitions or something, everybody's competing to use the cliches in a cleverer way so that they get the attention. The real listening to the heart isn't happening. Absolutely. And, and again, I can attest greatly to that because 36 years working as a, a star maker in the music industry doing exactly that, cherry-picking talent at very young ages, investing a lot of time and money into developing into what the public considers to be good consumption and then realizing that there is no body there's no emotional standing within any of it it's formulaic and it's all about you know checks and balances as you said so what you're doing is you're bringing back that intuitive alchemy that connection with the oneness of nature and you're allowing that to be the driving force of your passion. And that's what I'm urging people to do during this time of a rigid lockdown is rediscover your passion. Amen. You're not yes. working anymore. You're not making the money. The boss has sacked you, right? Yes. The government's not offering any stimulus packages. It's getting worse. More yes. and more people are going the way of the dodo. And now they're about to unleash the vaccine. It's official. And what you need to understand that in an effort to maintain a certain level of mental balance, because that's what COVID did. It mentally unbalanced millions of people. And the epiphrine fear um, uh, enzyme that is driven up within the circulatory structure and the lymphatic and the endocrine structure of the human genome is what the COVID protein receptor ultimately chases it's been developed to chase and attach to that protein receptor now when you're not and you're not necessarily following your passion you become like the projection of the black box that you wear on your face which is the mask and listening to music at the right frequency with the right harmonic resonance 
quietens the monkey chatter, removes that indecisive nature, gets rid of that whole kind of debunking of the witness consciousness always trying to tell you that what you're doing is not going to work out because you know what happened last time you tried that. So we're learning like children on the playground, although very childish and very selfish at the same time, to rediscover our connection to frivolity and pleasure and enjoyment and life and love and fun. And that's what a sounding bowl, I believe, should be used for, as opposed to it's a strict modality and it needs to be, you know, reverently held in an effort to attain its true highest octave of spiritual value. That's right. That's right. I mean, um, everything is a combination of uh, precision and looseness, isn't it? We have to, every human being has to forge his way between the held and the unheld. Yeah. And in making a sounding bowl, we pay a huge amount of t attention to what we are doing, both in terms of using the moment of making as a meditation and in terms of getting the Fibonacci spiral curves right so that you get the correct resonance, of placing the strings with micro-millimetric accuracy so that you get the right notes with the right balance of harmonies in them. All these things we we bring great precision to. But, uh, and the result is you have something that can allow you to let go. Because there's this breathing between the in-breath of getting things right and the out-breath of, ah, oh, being there with what is, which has to be followed again by an in-breath of, how is this actually working for me? Is, is this working for me? And then, yes, well, I can just be with it, even if it isn't. This is a breathing process. And breathing is the fundamental gift of life. We don't live until we take our first breath. And we live until we let go of our last breath. And the whole process of waking in the morning and going to sleep at night is a breathing process. The process of looking and listening out into the world and asking ourselves, how am I feeling about what I'm receiving? What is it I'm actually seeing and hearing here? That's a breathing process, the in and the out and the out and the in. And to continue to exercise in the moment, even if we've been sacked, even if we don't know where our next penny is coming from, even if we are afraid that if we do something wrong, we will be sacked or we will get given a, an injection that we don't want, whatever, just to keep breathing with this. Exercises and releases the inner human being through which the future flows. The future is created out of what we do as human beings. And when we get in contact with the breathing between the inner nature and our outer experience, we exercise. It's like a gym work for the inner human being. It develops your spiritual muscles so that when the challenges come, we handle them in such a way that we create a good future for ourselves. I think that's wonderful. And it's a great place for us to take a moment and have a break and do a little housekeeping. So you're on... 
the Seven Cents live stream with your host, Mike Kuskus, and my special guest, Tobias Kay. And we're discussing the simplicity, if you like, of the sounding bowl that is a great reflection of a deeper and a more human compassionate understanding. We're going to feature a, a track now and stay within this UK theme. And this is the wonderfully gifted Amanda Bloom, also from the UK, and a track that she likes to refer to as the embodiment of the divine feminine and beautiful, beautiful. You're on Magazine Radio. Magazine Radio and the Seven Sense live stream with your host, Mike Puskas. And that was beautiful, beautiful by Amanda Bloom in the UK from her debut back in 1980. Now, I've got Tobias Kay here with me in the UK and we've just been talking about means by which to get these sounding bowls out to a much broader audience. So I'm gonna ask Tobias now to pick up a bowl and show the audience, show us all, and tell us a little bit about, oh my God, just, it speaks for itself, but just take us through a little bit of it and play some of it. when you say sounding bowls they think of singing bowls they think of the metal ones which are gongs bells sort of thing in a bowl form yeah this is a wooden bowl with strings inside it the strings are if you look carefully below the the surface yeah so with strings inside there's a, a new type of string music this is the first instrument to have strings inside the resonator all other stringed instruments have got strings across the top, yeah? And in the past, we've taken our lead from things outside of ourselves. And today, in this age, the human being is waking up to the fact that the, our, who we are comes from inside ourselves, not from our education, our parents, our tradition, our society, yeah? So by having the strings inside, we're bringing the source of the sound right from inside. This is just a kind of middle-sized one, 12 strings, parallel strings, um, and it's very easy for playing tunes on. I've got a smaller one here that is made of birch and um, deeper. And I the like strings that one, Toby. I like that one, Tobias. That one's cute. That one's very much me, that one. Thank you. Yes. Um, uh, th th this, this has got seven strings in a fan pattern, which means that the long string is in the middle and the short strings are the outside. So it's tuned in an African way in having notes on both sides of the center. You have to go from the center out, right, left, right, left, right, left to get the tunings. just feels like it's like a wings and it's fluttering 
I do like the little simple ones are lovely, aren't they? This one's made from hawthorn, which is um, since ancient times the tree which forms the gateway between the fairy world and the human world. Oh, please. resonance isn't it you can feel like guys vibrating with you especially if you were grounded with bare feet to the to the dirt do you play outside a lot um i i don't an awful lot but when we do uh, sand baths for people um what uh, what 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 we do with the sand bath we put a plank in front of a chair and have somebody sitting up Right, because if the spine is upright, you're more individualized. Yes. A lot of sand baths, people lie down. When you're lying down, it's easy to float off, and it's great for taking in the music, but you don't take yourself in so much. Yeah? So rather than giving yourself up to the music, as people do in gong baths, what I suggest is that by sitting, you are coming into relationship with the music rather than falling into it. Yeah? So we have people sitting on a wooden chair, and you put a plank under their feet, and you start with the bowl touching the plank and playing it. Yeah. And so when the bowl is touching the plank edge on, like, you know, down onto the plank like that, especially a big one like this, the, the vibrations that go through the feet are profound. And you really you start with massaging a person's feet. So you're bringing them right into the body. Yeah. And when you come into your body in harmony, then you refresh the presence of your spirit self in the body, in the soul. Yeah? And so often we have this dichotomy of being present for the everyday world and going off into the spirit world. And it's not a helpful dichotomy. We need, to be, yeah, we need to bring the spirit presence into the everyday. So it, we start the sound bath like that by massaging the feet. And then we go round and round a person, spiraling slowly up the body, slowly, slowly playing for minutes, uh, you know, 10 minutes, 12 minutes or whatever, um, with the bowl facing the person as you walk around them. And this resonance. Filling them. I tell you, this is more of an instrumental bowl, that one. This is the sort of bowl we use for sound baths, and it's tuned just to harmonics, not to a full scale. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've no idea how good this is sounding. I can't hear a word, Mike. <laughs> and when you play the harmonics like that, you're touching the very structure of the physical body because the physical body is made out of music. Yeah? One of the, uh, uh, I, I gave a sound bath to a, a number of consultants in hospitals and they were all blown away by it. One guy said, the, he was a neurologist, he said the way the nerves divide in the body is along a Fibonacci growth patterns. And we have music here that is cultured in a Fibonacci resonator. The music, the sound is inside the Fibonacci resonator. And it could well be that that sound actually helps the regrowth of traumatized nerve pathways. 
neuropathway like mycelium is. It's a constantly evolving charged energy coming yes. from the bowl. Yes, so there's, a, there's a link between mycelial patterns and, uh, and neural pathways, isn't there? Let's They're... talk about that because nobody understands it that, you know, nature and the circuitry system, the endocrine and the lymphatic system of the human genome are yes. very closely tuned and aligned together, right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. The idea that we are not nature is, is, has grown with science, hasn't it? it has. the, the dualism, you know, Descartes and all that lot. This idea that we are separate from life because we experience ourselves to be separate from life. And that's part of the human consciousness that so we have the mirror consciousness. Yeah? So part of us is separate and can think about what we're doing. The animals just do what they do. They don't sit down and think about it. You know, they don't have schools of philosophy in the wolf world. Uh, and d there's the good and the bad in that. But to return to our animal nature, to notice our animal nature, to acknowledge our animal nature, to realize that the feelings that pass through the human body are the weather that passes through the world, to see mycelium in the nerves, to see the lymph system in the, the movement of water in, in the landscape. These things are so, so important to yeah. notice. That a, that a tree is a lung inside out, yeah? Inside the body, I have a tree upside down as my lungs. And the tree is out there, inside out and upside down, and breathing out oxygen. And the tree inside me, inside out and upside down, is breathing in the oxygen. And the carbon dioxide I give out feeds the tree. The tree builds its substance from the carbon in the air. So what we have here is something where the, the wood has taken carbon out of the air and made carbohydrates out of it and laid it down layer after layer with a great deal of love and care. Trees don't go rushing around busy doing stuff that they think they want to do. They just love what they are doing. They stand still in a moment and just do what they are doing. And so they lay down this, this wood. And again, you see sounding bowls. These sounding bowls are possibly the only instrument made from a single continuous block of wood. Yeah. We've hollowed out one continuous piece of wood. There's no glue joints in here. Oh, you know, a violin is built up out of, out of six or seven different types of wood. Yeah. A guitar can be built up out of more. Yeah? Here we've just got one piece of wood. And this allows the tree to speak through the instrument in a way that it can't through other instruments. So the tree itself, the ash tree is singing. The ash tree is singing to you in this sound. We have the strings, we have the Fibonacci curve, we have all the mass, we have all the love we put into it. But all that allows the ash tree to sing to you through this sound. Absolutely magical. And I will say that my, my indigenous earth brothers and sisters talk about the tree in the way that the roots is the crown that's the head of the tree right breathing oh. in from the ground and that the, the 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 branches that we perceive in our conscious reality are the legs right absolutely the legs yep. and the arms that are spreading yep. out but the tree's yep. crown is yep. buried in the ground that's right that's right this is where we get back to the mycelium and the gray matter yeah. You see, yeah. if you look at the roots of a tree, they're finer than the twigs and they have less color 
Yeah, so the, the, the roots of the tree are its gray matter. The tree indeed has got its head in the ground. And if you look at the reproductive organs of the human being, they are at the base of the trunk and the reproductive organs of the tree are, are the flowers and the fruit up in the top. The tree is indeed upside down. And when you cut, when you cut the wood, you realize also that the human being has its most living tissue deep inside the body. The tree's most living tissue is right underneath the bark. Yes, on the outside. Yes. So the tree is inside out, upside down, and back to front from the human being. They, the trees are our counterparts. We are what is missing in the tree, and the tree is what is missing in us. And if you form a relationship with the tree, it will fill you with the steadiness and the peace and the giving, generative nature that trees have of themselves. And if you watch your relationship with the tree closely enough, the tree will ask you, what is it like to be warm inside? Beautiful. Just beautiful. You're the only one that I know who can speak like this, who understands the relationship that exists between that part that we forgot, right? That density, that density of expression that a tree has from the yes. internal gradually, you know, muscling its way outward Whereas we're all like this yes. Yes. and worried and concerned and where's my safety and where's my security. And that's yeah. where I believe we fall so far short. And I'm going to yeah. ask the big question now, Tobias, looking at everything that's going on and the way that we've been taught that it's all about unconditional love and love this and love that and blah, blah, and blah, blah. I think we need to get to a point now where we've got to take stock and through our filter of discernment, make a conscious choice, a tough one, and say that a lot of the people on our planet aren't going to make it. Well, you know, Mike, um, a death is a contract that we enter into at birth. And um, most of us, do not learn to live with our own death. But death is also love. Death is letting go of what I thought I wanted and going into what actually is. So long as we are human and breathing with our mirror consciousness, we have choice over what we, can, what we, what we take and what we don't take. We have that freedom to choose and separate the good from the bad, to eat the apple and spit out the bitter pips. But nature isn't like that. Nature just is with what is. And we as human beings are the ones who choose and change and make things. And death is the, the answer to that. Death is the one that releases us from the trap that choice puts us into. And there are two ways to death. In tradition, you can choose to enter into relationship with your death. And traditionally that was called initiation or awakening. Or you can put it off until death comes to you and says, now's your time. But when you enter into relationship with your death, death becomes your teacher. In shamanism, they used to hold death as a friend over the right shoulder and listen to him as an advisor. Yeah. Uh, in Christianity, they, they talk about um, the way of the cross. Yeah. Yeah? So you shoulder the burdens of humanity 
yeah. and you walk towards your own death. And these are sublime ways. These are ways that release nature's joy in your heart in a way that you would not have expected. Mm. Because the, the facing death is not a comfortable thing. But once you have faced death and you've breathed into it and you've said, yes, death is my contract, then absolutely, then the joy uh, that is nature, the joy that is trees, the joy that is the, 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 uh, the, the lambs dancing in the fields is released in your heart because the fear of death is gone and the, the breathing goes deeper. So this is what we all have to learn. And COVID is an acceleration of that time. That so long as we fear death and seek safety, we will go deeper and deeper into a trap. And when we learn that death is our friend and we are here for a time to exercise who we are and that uh, at the end of that, death will release us and we go back back to being in harmony with the cosmic all, back to feeling the stars within our soul, back to breathing the suns and the movement of the planets in our soul. When we expand beyond the body, as death allows us to do, we re-encounter joy on a sublime level. So it's just that everybody has to choose that. Nobody, nobody can bring death to somebody else without becoming a murderer. Absolutely. But you can choose to enter into a relationship with your own death without taking, without taking your own life. Sure. That, that is spiritual awakening. Oh, yeah. And to actually recognize the intrinsic goodness that exists within death. Yes. Death is part of all existence. And we have this ability to embrace and engage every aspect of existence. That's what liberates the soul more and more. Yes, I think this is what really leads us into the, the, the parts of the conversation or the discussion that people are frightened to go into, and I'm not, so I'm going to take you there. The sounding bowl immediately invokes the higher aspect of joy, okay? That blissful kind of resonance and harmony that comes also both know when we first connected that part and parcel of our journey on planet earth what i call the turn of the spiral whether it's a polarity or whether it's an opposite polarity depending on what where you are in any given incarnation is dealing with the shadow self so the question i have for you tobias can the sounding bowl be a companion to an individual looking to realize their potential by tuning into their darker shadow self or what I refer to as the doppelganger. Can the sounding bowl become a resonant companion in helping someone to understand that? Lovely. A companion. That, that is such a good description. That is, that is just what happens. You know, um, I've, again, rather than just making claims from my own insight, and the bowls speak to me, of course they do. Um, the, you know, the stories I get back from people who use them. So people who are pioneers in sound healing have developed techniques with tuning forks and bowls and all sorts of things. When they get a sounding bowl, on several occasions, such people have written to me and said, this bowl is changing my life. 
or my house feels different having this bowl in it. Okay, okay. So I get that also from people who've never had music in their lives. And then you can say, well, maybe it's the music that's doing it. And, and, and maybe it is. But when you get that from people who've never had an instrument and from people who are professional sound healers, then you know something special is going on. Something special is going on. And the tension between the light and the dark, the tension between birth and death, has been there from the beginning. The first article I wrote about sounding bowls was all about uh, uh, the, 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 the growth and the decay and the, the presence of life and death as joy and sorrow in any moment of our lives. And if you take a single note and just allow that note to live and to die, and you follow that note as it appears, and stay with it and stay with it as it disappears and at that moment when you can no longer hear the note what happens and and the longing that's missing yeah 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 so uh, um, what, what what you'll notice very often is when, as the note fades from the ears, it reappears in the heart. You hear the note in your head or your heart. You feel the note reverberating inside you just at the point where the ears are no longer giving it to you. Yeah. So the outer note fades and the inner note rises. And this is a picture of death. As the body fades, the spirit rises. Yeah. My partner works with people who are dying. And again and again, you find that in the days leading up to death, it's almost a sign that death is happening. They begin talking to people they knew as children or parents who've died or good friends who've died or something like that. Yeah? The spirit presence of the human being is less tied to the physical body, even as death approaches. And by the time the body dies, the spirit has already stood up and said, yes, I'm ready. Yeah? But for, to bring ourselves close to that moment, it's really helpful to work with the life and death of a single note. Beautiful. Again, that makes so much sense to me, my friend. Look at that. Here we go. The grandmaster comes into view. <laughs> this, this is one of the largest ones we've ever made. It's in a pattern that we call bridging bowls. So you can see that there are two sets of strings fanning out. Yeah, there's one step. You've got a geometric, you know, a Merkaba emerging in the middle of the singing bowl. Yes, we have this pattern here of the uh, diamonds that are uh, vertical at the top and transverse at the bottom. Yeah, so you, you have. The, these, the diamonds appear in the space between the upper strings and the lower strings. And the strings on the right here have dark tuning pegs, dark wood. And the strings on the other side have um, light wood. So when you pluck a string on the light side, you'll find that it's rooted in the dark. And when you pluck a string on the dark side, they're rooted in the light. Right. Yeah? So every, every note is a tension between the light and the dark. And you need the light and the dark to make the music. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The, this bridging bowl pattern is, is exactly the answer to what you're asking. Though any sounding bowl can be a friend 
on a journey, any sounding bowl can release your inner peace. It can bring you back to the heart. It can reconnect you to the peace in the trees. It can reconnect you to the cosmic structure that is music. Just tuning the bowl, bringing the bowl back into tune is a meditation. And to, uh, to sit down at the end of a stressful day and play a few notes on a little sounding bowl reactivates our inner peace. Absolutely wonderful, Tobias. I cannot begin to tell you just how inspired I am. And now I have a request. <laughs> I'm going to send you a write, write in the 432 hertz. I'm going to ask you about tuning in a moment. Actually, I asked you two questions before, and I'm getting a lot of flack from my people who are saying, hey, we're on the chat window. Can we talk? What's going on? I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to you guys. I'm too wrapped up in my brother here. This is too good. But what I will ask is two questions. One, would you say that your predominant audience is more divine feminine or divine masculine? Uh, most of my customers are female. Okay. Yes, if that's, that if that's what you sense in the world, because yes. their hearts are tuned higher, I believe, anyway. Yes. The second question is, do you tune the bowls to any of the ancient hermetic frequencies? Well, that's a deep question. Um, um, I, I do, I, I, mean, I use 432 as a, as a, as a pitch. That's a baseline, yeah. As a okay. baseline, okay. Okay. yes. Um, uh, but I tend to go with a modern um, uh, modified scale, um, post-Bach uh, piano type scales, um, because um, the uh, previous scale structures are all based in one key or another. Yeah. And like a piano, a sounding bowl can be an instrument to explore the relationships between the keys. Yeah. So in, in Bach's uh, little notebook for Anna Canarina, um, he does he, piece after piece. He uses the music entirely as a method of exploring the relationships between the keys. And what happens when you do that is you step out of your, your, your usual um, view of the world, you know, it, 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 to stay within a given key is like staying within a given job or staying within the town that you were born in. To stay within a given key is to maintain an attitude to the world. And if you're playing music in one key and you shift into another key and into another key and into another key, it's like traveling to foreign countries. You open your eyes to a different relationship to the world. And if you want to make your inner self flexible and alive, it's really helpful to play with the different keys. And one way of doing that is to use the modes. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of, I supply a tuning chart with every bowl that tells you how to uh, use any different mode on the bowl. Yeah? So Ionian, so, Dorian, etc., Lydian, you can do them all? You can do them all. You yeah. can do them all. Yeah. Uh, any bowl with nine strings or more, you can, you, can put, you can put it in any mode you want. The seven string bowls, they tend to be in, in the, the, uh, the pentatonic modes. Yeah. So this is a standard European pentatonic, often called the Hebridean, because 
this was used as work music right up until the end of the 20th century in the hebrides there were peasants so to speak tweed makers yeah who were still making tweed in the old way and singing the work songs the pentatonic work songs as they did then it wasn't until 1998 that uh, tweed making was mechanized and uh, the, the songs fell out of use so this particular this this scale survived thousands of years right like it's the classic sort of you know um deep chinese sort of um is, it, is that right the shakuhachi kachiachi oh uh shakuhachi 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 rings but yeah right okay no shakuhachi have seven note scales seven note scales that's it yeah. they do mostly they do mostly shakuhachi is the instrument that adrian was playing on the, the song you opened this program with yes yeah it's it's a it's a meditation flute from from the zen tradition the zen. but um but the instrument that does use pentatonic is the gamelan, yeah? But the gamelan uses a minor pentatonic. Um, uh, uh, and the Japanese and Chinese tradition have a lot of pentatonics in them, and some of them are open-note pentatonics, like the European or Hebridean pentatonic. The Native American um, the music often also uses the open-note pentatonic. It's a scale of wonderful innocence. It's just about the open-hearted individual in relationship with nature. Yeah. And it's when you introduce the, 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 the fourth and the seventh that uh, you, you bring the, the question of uh, separating ourselves from nature, of becoming a mirror consciousness into music. Yeah, and the, the, the Hebridean pentatonic doesn't have that mirror consciousness in it. No. So it's a lovely scale. You, you can't hit a wrong note. Anything you do sounds good. Absolutely. So a, a little seven string pentatonic bowl is an excellent friend in meditation. Absolutely. So the next question before we go to a break here is, what is the lowest resonance that you can create in a sounding bowl? Um, we uh, the the one I played you there. That's got C um, at uh, what is that? Um, at sixty four cycles. Wow, that's as it's new. That's pretty low, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Can you get it down to forty? Do you know if it's possible? Um, it would be. It would be. Um, I, well, while you're having a break, I can see if I can tune a couple of strings to forty, if you like. Would you try? I would certainly. Yep. Yeah. Then let's do that. We're going to have a break. I'll go back to my, my audience and you do that. Great. You're on Magazine Radio. I hope you guys are enjoying this incredible journey with my special guest, Tobias Kay, here on, here on the Seven Sense live stream. And when we come back, we're going to actually explore an ancient Ptolemic, Egyptian Ptolemic period, tonal, resonant frequency that literally was one of the building blocks of the Great Pyramids, not the one of Giza, of course, and whatever we're talking about, the Step Pyramid and whatnot. I thought we'd have a listen to none other than the rather um, always controversial Mary Evans out of New York City. And we're talking about doorways, we're talking about portals, uh, inter interstellar and intergalactic stargates, which sounding bowls and their, their, their musical frequency, their musical language can create. 
So what better song to, uh, to go to this next break with but Doorway and Mary Evans? I did. It's a very low note for these strings, which are normally, as I say, at 64, but um, it, uh, you can get some feeling for it. Bring, bring it closer to the microphone, please. I'll stretch the mic out over it. Yeah, do it right over it. Let's see what happens. I want to see what my heart does. Yeah. I'm going to turn it up over here too. Okay, we've got time. You could see the high priest in, uh, in in Egypt, literally with the pine cones, you know, resonating with that, and then the boulders just lifting, levitating, because 40 hertz is the levitating frequency where all matter becomes antimatter, and that antimatter is then literally nothing more than thought, right? It's actually collapsible thought. It's no longer form. It's particle. You know, it's 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 collapsed into a lucid wave. Mm. And that wave is then directed. Mm. Mm. I tell you what, we we had a um, when I was working with some shamans in uh, in Kansas, we had a slack drum tuned to basically forty, and we used it on one occasion. We used it to dissolve an oncoming tornado. Oh this God. twist, this twist to us. You've got to tell everybody when we come back, okay? Just give me, uh, we've got another minute. We've got another minute to go. So I'm going to tell a little story. You tell that story, and I'm going to talk to you to tell the people about a friend of mine that lived below me here in Melbourne, went to Egypt, and was given permission by the Minister of Antiquities to study the old Ptolemaic grounds, you know, way back, none of this modern Egypt shit talking about back in the, you know, in the dynastic period, you know. And they actually said that they saw a fresco, a, a, a hieroglyph and a fresco of what looked like a sounding bowl with strings. It wasn't a lyre. Wow. It was a bowl with strings. And yep. it was being played like a cradle. Yeah. Ding, 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 like this. Yep. Yeah. So if we can make that correlation that you are now the new oh, one minute. That was Mary Evans and her track Haunted Poe from her album in America. What a great song. Again, you know, the divine feminine embodying the ability to rise to the challenges of what is now considered to be a mirror of the old world reborn in the new. You're on Magazine Radio with your host, Mike Puskas, on the Seventh Sense live stream. And we're really, really getting into the, the deeper esoteric and alchemical flow with my special guest, Tobias K from the UK. He's actually from Devon. And I have a lot of fond memories of that place. So I'm sure we'll get a chance to share them a little bit more. But in the break, what uh, Tobias did was he took one of the sounding bowls and he was actually able to tune it down to 40 hertz. So we're going to have a listen to that. And then he's got a few things to share with us. So Tobias, once again, if we could, let's have a listen to this incredible sounding bowl. 
Do you want me to play the bowl first or go straight to those two strings that I've put to play 40? The play the bowl so everyone who's heard it. You bottom strings right down to 40 as I did has put the rest of the bowl very slightly out of tune so that wasn't quite as harmonious as it could have been. Doesn't matter it's magical here. Good good so uh, the bottom strings here would uh, this one would normally be tuned to a C uh, at 64 cycles and this one would be tuned to the D above that but I've taken them both down to 40 and this it's a bit slack for these strings but this is what you get. Now, you see, I, I, I noticed years before I started making signing bowls, I noticed that if you work with a finely tuned instrument, you work with conscious forces, the forces that form consciousness. Whereas if you work with a very roughly tuned instrument, you work with wilder forces. So if you use a trumpet, you know, like um, something like this a horn trumpet here, which is just a cow horn, yeah? If you play that... There's a lot of rough notes mixed in with that. It's not harmonious sound, yeah? But what it does is it stirs the nature forces in a way that a fine-tuned instrument won't do. A fine-tuned instrument will stir people you can move human emotions with music. And if you go to a less tuned instrument, you stir deeper forces than the conscious ones. Tobias, bring the microphone closer back to you now that we're talking again, just so we can hear Is it. Is that better like that? <laughs> or if I, if I turn it up a bit like that? Yeah, you can just have it out of the, out of the shot like you did before. That's fine. That's good. Okay. That's so yeah. um, so uh, with drums as well, it's the same thing. You know, our highly tuned drums, like the Indian ones, with very taut skins on them, you know, you're speaking yes. with those, yeah? And if you go to a less tuned drum, like an African one, yeah, you're moving more than you're speaking. Absolutely. And if you go to a very large shamanic drum and, and tune it right down, take the tension back a bit until instead of going bong, 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 it's going woof, woof, woof. Yeah, you'll notice that you're moving nature forces with that. Yeah, if you're, if you're aware of the beings within nature, you can see how the the shadows behind the trees sit up and take notice yeah and the the grottos under the trees the the cavities in the soil little consciousnesses move up and say what is that yeah so um when i was working with um with uh, shamans in america um we had a meeting a gathering in kansas and we had a drum there, which one of them had made on his biodynamic farm. He, you know, it was great. I was delighted to hear he was using biodynamics, which is a middle European technique developed by Rudolf Steiner in the 20th century for 
using agriculture in a way that makes the nature spirits happy so that they want to cooperate with you instead of being slaves to your techniques or even fleeing from them so all you've got left is the machine using biodynamics the nature spirits become cooperators with you it's a beautiful process and there he was as a native american sorry what were you saying i think that's fantastic it's again something people don't know anything about cooperating with nature spirits so that you create a co-creative capacity to to fuse your ideas together yeah great and when you do that the vegetables that you grow become so much healthier because they feed you on levels that science has no idea how to begin to measure you know so um Anyway, so he, he was using these techniques because he said, as a Native American, it's the only moral way to farm. Yeah. So mostly, uh, uh, and one of these shamans, he said, he, uh, he said farming is, is a negative thing. You, you, you shouldn't cut the soil. You shouldn't work against nature. Farming is, is wrong. And I said, well, have you ever been on a biodynamic farm? He said, no, he said, but farming is wrong. Years later, he contacted me and he said, you know, last weekend I was on a biodynamic farm and you are right. On a biodynamic farm, the nature spirits are happy. They are not being hurt as they are in normal agriculture. Yeah. So this, this uh, shaman had noticed that and he was farming uh, biodynamically. And one of his calves had died and he had taken the skin and he'd built a, a drum. It must have been a good four foot across, uh, maybe five foot across. And he'd put this, he'd, he'd skinned it, you know, with, with this calf skin. And he'd taken some of the ribs, the curved ribs, and we were using these as beaters, you know. And there's the drum going, boom, 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 boom. And a a twister formed, you know, a, a, a typhoon, a, a tornado, and started coming up the valley towards us. And we, we got the beat of the drum in the harmony with the movement of the twister. And the twister began to waver and began to weaken and disappeared back up into the clouds before it got to where we were. You know, everybody's saying, if that thing comes within a quarter of a mile, everybody down in the, vat, in the, in the brook, uh, you know, in the, in the creek, grab hold of a tree, hold on for dear life. You know, uh, but um, we, were, we, we, we managed to pulse the drum in with the twister and you could feel again in your inner space. Yeah, you could feel in your inner space what the, the, the motive, the emotion within the twister was. And by releasing that in the inner space, by using the rhythm of the drum, and it must have been about 40 cycles. I remember that note so powerfully. By using that in the rhythm and feeling how the tornado reflects itself inside the human being and when you dissolve that tension then the tornado itself dissolves i think it was that's a... one of the most unbelievably powerfully invoking kind of stories that i've heard about literally reversing the polarity of a violent you know natural occurrence you know tornadoes are not gentle creatures right Indeed. They come in and they have one thing on their mind and that is devastation because like you said, they feel they feel like they've been betrayed, they feel they feel unbalanced, they they feel like their neutrality has been threatened, and so they come in and they they get loud, right? They get loud. Yeah. 
they are the unresolved anger of, of, of human trauma. And that's and, exactly um, why I wanted you to take, take us down that road, because I think we've arrived at a juncture in this discussion where we can really start to talk about widening the scope of Tobias K's work, right? I want to be a channel and a conduit to help do that. So one great. of the things that we exchanged in our first um, audio recordings together is I said that for the bowl's frequency to recognize that trauma, trap trauma within the chakras, we're going to start talking about chakras and wormholes, right? There's a big distinction between both. But the bowl's frequency recognizes or ascertains where the trauma lies and has the ability then to isolate the trauma. And then once it's isolated the trauma and it's basically embodied and or encapsulated that trauma, it has the ability to reverse the polarity of the trauma and literally pull it out, right? Tell me you can do that. I'll tell you a story. Go. Um, uh, in, a neo, in a neonatal intensive care unit in France, okay. yeah, um, a volunteer music therapist who was still in training took her little seven-string sounding bowl in to play to the babies. So these are infants, they're newborns, and they're in intensive care because they are on the edge of death. For whatever reason, they've been born with a disease, they've been born with some, some trauma in the body, in the body soul, and um, some of them don't make it, yeah? And the, the hospital have got them listed by um, fading vital signs or in recovery or whatever, yeah? And the doctors direct her to those little incubators where the babies have fading vital signs. And the hospital's doing everything they can. They're giving warmth, they're giving stimulus, they're giving medicines. But still, this baby hasn't chosen to live. It's not looking like it's going to survive. Okay. She, she holds the sounding bowl up against the plastic of the, the, the incubator. So the baby's whole world is resounding with the sound of the sounding bowl. And she just plays. She just plays little simple sounds. That sort of thing. For 20 minutes, yeah? And... Immediately, when she starts to play, the baby's breathing deepens and regularizes. And very quickly, the heartbeat strengthens and regularizes. The blood oxygen monitor shows the blood oxygen rising and rising and rising. The doctors look and they, they see the baby's muscle tone is relaxing. And it's so moving, isn't it? And within 20 minutes... This child, this infant, has made the turn from fading vital signs to in recovery. Something says to the child, this world is worth living in. Something says to the child, yes, you can do this. Something affects this infant's body in such a way that the trauma that's being held onto is released. 
And over the couple of years that she went volunteering into there, over 200 babies made the turn from fading vital signs to in recovery. It's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And it's not like she had to repeat it, you know, in 20 minutes. And she, then she came back next week and that baby was no longer in the ICU, you know? What yeah. a gift. What a gift, yeah. my friend. What a gift yeah. to be able to literally, you know, hold life in one's hand and yeah. then allow it to freely move through whatever that traumatic yeah. shadow experience was all about in the beginning, you know? So there's something, there's something in these bowls that calls the infant in us and says, yes, you can. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And then everything, everything changes. You know? We come back into the heart, hope rises, the body relaxes, uh, trauma that we're, we're holding in this system or that metabolizes and can pass out. Can, uh, the breathing deepens and eases and everything changes my friend i want to go even deeper i'm sorry i'm going to keep pushing you i hope you don't mind um this is cellular regeneration this is cellular recalibration this is taking the photonic the photon quasar pulsar energy that is coming from our our planets coming from our solar system and it is literally transmitting a powerful healing signal within the cellular memory of that child. And that is child it? is recognizing that there is a spark, right? There is, a, there is an awakened, there is a spark, there is a fire that is all of a sudden rekindled and rebirthed. Let's, yeah, let's go there. Let's go there, Tobias. We can do this. well. You see, Mike, I don't know about these things. I understand the no. words you're using, I I and do. I understand that a lot of people would probably agree with you. And I, I, I believe that it, some of this has been tracked physically. But personally, my way has been work has been, has been to work with consciousness itself rather than the physical reflectors and trackers and tracers and uh, supporters of consciousness. So my way has been to, to disappear into that non-physical intentionality out of which both consciousness and material reality arise. And there I have been able to uh, relate to various beings who are bringing the sounding bowl work into this world and they exist on the angelic level and they exist on the ancestral level there are some that i met in physical life and some that i didn't um, and they exist on the higher than angelic the archangelic level and the archive and going up through the sublime levels of consciousness you get less and less specific you know, so uh, uh, an angel consciousness is as big as a group of human beings. An archangel consciousness is as big as a landscape. An archive consciousness is, is bigger than a country, you know. Um, uh, uh, and when you go up through these levels of consciousness, you find the very pulse of life is a conscious being out of which the, a love for mankind is pouring 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 more fruitfully even than the light pours out of the sun 
And on these levels of consciousness, there is already some formation that coming down through the levels of consciousness eventually manifests itself as a sounding bowl. The sounding bowls can be traced back through these meditative levels of angelic, archangelic, higher consciousness to what one might call the very heart of the Christ, the, the source of love itself, the, the logos of the Gospel of John, out of which that, that, that centre of silent intentionality, of focus without agenda, that pours love into the whole of creation, holds the whole of creation in its arms. From the core of that, there is some pattern that arrives here as a sounding bowl. And yes, in this age now, these instruments have the power to lead and heal and change and, and as you say, become friends to people in their development. Again, you, you, you speak with such conviction and such clarity, and I know that my listeners are going to really appreciate that. Some people who come on the show... They, they present themselves as something to prove. And, and, and that is just kind of uh, a reflection, if you like, of, of, of their own inadequacy, their own traumas, their own lack of understanding of themselves or whatever, because there's this need to perpetuate some form of, you know, higher ideal of self. But where you're coming from is so humble, it's so grounded, and it's so transparent and honest. It just, it just fills my heart, right? It fills my heart with joy and sorrow at the same time because I believe that there should be 10,000 of these things out there. Well, you know, I've trained five makers. So there's a guy in Austria um, who's making sounding bowls, a beautiful sounding bowls. There's a guy here in my own workshop who's, who's um, ready and willing to take over from me. Uh, um, there is um, a, another two people in England and Ireland who are trained makers of sounding bowls who don't have enough work at the moment. So we have the capacity to supply, yes. And we've got a maker in, in Maine, in the USA. Um, so we have the capacity and we can fill orders, whether it's for little ones like this, just for use in meditation and... Now that was actually commissioned by a doctor um, yeah. and her... Her, her daughter died at the age of 21 and um, she's aware of still having some contact with the daughter um, and she recognised that sounding bowls would help her with that contact. They would help to form a bridge of love between the hearts that once held each other and so I've, I've made that for her. Beautiful, beautiful. So okay, well, let's, talk, let's talk logistics now. Yes. How long does it take for someone who comes along and says, like, okay, I want a bowl that's tuned to 40 hertz. I want to go and lift things up, okay? And I want to film 
me lifting things up without my hands going anywhere near them or any machinery going anywhere near them and show the scientific world just how much matter and antimatter are so misunderstood because the Egyptians, I'm going to go a bit deeper here. Let me, let me, let me go a little deeper. I wanted to tell you in the break that a friend of mine who lived below me when I was first in Melbourne and I left on and went on a spiritual sojourn for two years to try to find my true identity after leaving the music industry for 36 years where I was this horrible harvester of souls. I can't think of any other way to put it. And he lived below me and I would hear him play guitar and he could hear me play guitar. And one day I knocked on his door and I said, hey, man, you know, you sound really good. You should come up and we have a jam. And it turned out that he had this incredible passion for Egypt, right? Egyptology, the hermetic principles, the comedic principles. And that he was going away on a, a field trip where the Minister of Antiquities granted the school, the class, permission to excavate on the old Ptolemaic grounds, right? This is way, way in the, the desert. This has got nothing to do with Giza or any of that kind of stuff, right? None of that modern stuff. This is really, really old, ancient, Ptolemaic, dynastic, pre-dynastic period. And I said to him, would you take a number of pyramid crystals, moonstone and pyrite and or whatever pyramid crystals with you and if you get into a place where you might be in a tomb or, or whatever, would you place the crystals in there? And for the duration of the time you're there, and then when you come back, could I have them back purified in this tomb? And he wrote to me, you know, two weeks into the trip, and he said, man, we're, we're, we've uncovered this incredible underground, you know, city, tomb, whatever else it is, and I put the crystals underneath this sarcophagus, right? And above the sarcophagus, he said, was a fresco. He couldn't call it hieroglyphics because back then they were still experimenting with pigments, as it turns mm. out, you know, and pottery and other things. So he told me, he said that he saw uh, what looked like, uh, it might have been a Hathor, it might have been a, um, um, uh, an Isis goddess or something like that with the giant, you know, Eye of Ra, but in her hand, what looked like a bowl with strings across it. And all around her, because she was cradling it and playing it, and it was very, very mosaic-y, kind of old or whatever, but he did take some pictures. But everything around her was off the ground. So he immediately put two and two together and said, maybe what he discovered was an old higher oscillating frequency band that was able to levitate objects in this room or in this space with this woman. The reason I'm asking this is that I'm sure there are a lot of people that would love to test the theory because everything is theoretical until we prove it in some form of practical way. And I know that when you come from the place of the heart, the last thing you're thinking of is the practical. You're thinking about, you know, what is the spiritual and or the, you know, emotional benefit to the use of the tool. 
But if I wanted to commission a sounding bowl at 40 hertz, please, what would be the timeline? What would be the pricing, delivery, etc.? Take me through the process, please. So, <laughs> I hope you don't mind um, telling you the story. I hope you didn't mind that. No, no, no. It's great, great story. Great story. Um, and um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I, uh, I I remember working in Egypt, but that was in in the dynastic times. It, it was uh, it was in in a um, you know, uh, but anyway, um, leave that out for the moment. Um, before, you, before you stop, did you did you experience something that may have looked like a sounding bowl back then? In that, I didn't. No, I didn't. Um, at that point. Um, I don't think there were any. Um, the, the, there, are, there are some African cultures that have bowl-like instruments with strings across the top. Okay. And it could be that, um, that your Tomek cultures had sounding bowls. But uh, I, I suspect the strings would have been across the top, which um, isn't a problem. Um, at all uh, and you know the, <laughs> the, the the presence of the sounding bowl in the substance of the earth is a reality and it goes back and it goes out and uh, uh, another a friend of mine um is in a freemasonry group and they do a lot of planetary healing so that his particular group follows this particular teacher um, what they do is they go out to the planets that are raying their energy into the Earth and they, they heal the frequencies there that the planet is suffering from relationship with the Earth and from maybe its own development. And they, they go from planet to planet. And on one occasion, he said they were, go, they were heading off out through the, the Earth's atmosphere um, to, to do this healing on some planet or other, and they were stopped. And um, the earth guide, the earth guard said, uh, no, I want you to heal on the earth this time. And I want you to use this instrument. And she handed them, um, this is a spirit being just in, this, in vision. She handed them a sounding bowl. Wow. Wow. And, Unbelievable. <laughs> so when he saw mine, he went, oh, you went there too. I said, where? <laughs> yeah. Everything is cyclic, isn't it? Everything moves yeah. in natural formations and cycles, and we have yeah. no place to try to upset the balance. Right? Yeah. These, yeah. these governments and these people trying to do what they're trying to do to humanity at the moment, they can't win. There's no way they can win this war. They are, they are servants of uh, the machine intelligence. And the machine intelligence uh, sees a hope to take over the Earth development, but it's 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 within the Earth development anyway, so it can't take it over. You know, there are beings outside of the Earth development, um, and a lot of us will suffer through the machine. A lot of us who don't wake up from the machine. A lot of us who seek safety and control and. Um, uh, not having to engage ourselves, you know, that we can stay in the dream of the internet and have machines do the work for us instead of having to do the work ourselves, we will suffer. We will suffer the, through the, the machine intelligence. But those who wake up 
to the beauty of doing drudgery work, how simple work, digging or preparing food or, um, you know, building these, these, all of these things can be a meditation. And that, that work ennobles the soul in a way that no form of uh, uh, spiritual pursuit can ennoble it because the work brings us into the body and brings us into relationship with matter and matter, materia, matter is the mother. Yeah. And when you work with your hands, the soul wakes up in a way that it never can in meditation. Brilliant. My friend, you really know how to put it into context. Honestly, the light working community right now is operating at such a distorted frequency, really. This is the trouble with, with light working. It's so easy to feel that we have to work away from the dark. But light, you know, it's, it's like this bowl, isn't it? So light and the dark, they are, they are there as, as two halves of the same story. And it's only when you bring the light and the dark into harmony that real progress starts to happen. Yeah. Light working is great so long as you so long as you've got some dark to work on. You know? But if 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 you don't if you're not working with the dark in one way or another, you get lost in the light. I've always said that how does the darkness know that it's dark if there's no light? And how does light know there's it's light if there's no darkness? It's a dichotomy. And that yeah. is the most important thing to understand about esoteric and or yeah. alchemy and or spiritual alchemy, right? That there yeah. is always one thing to balance another. Neutrality is what our planet misses. It's what we don't have within the framework of our expression. Sounding mm. mm. bowls can bring people back to a neutral buoyancy. You see, the circle yes. is the cosmic feminine. Yes, yes. And, and the straight line is the cosmic masculine. Fabulous, absolutely. And what, what tends to happen in most relationships, not just interpersonal, but in most relationships between me and matter and so on, is that the straight line wants to cut everything and the circle wants to, wants to fix everything, wants to embrace everything and hold it still. Yeah. So to bring the straight line and the circle into harmony with each other, teaches the soul how to be there in the balance between masculine and feminine. Bottle it and sell it right now. Well, there it is. <laughs> you, can, you can have a bottle full from me. It's right there. Awesome. So tell me. So you were asking yeah. about a 40-cycle instrument. Now, a 40-cycle instrument, this one is 32 inches across. For 40 cycles, we really ought to make it 36. Mm -hmm. One yard. Yeah. So one yard is what the, the, the length of the string to produce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if we made a, a one yard instrument with a number of strings that could take 40 um, and some other strings, because it's good to have harmonics, um, we, you would be looking at the top end, the absolute top end of what we make. And you'd be looking at around seven or eight thousand pounds. Okay. Okay. If you want a little instrument to hold the soul, to, to learn to be in relationship with the cosmic masculine and feminine, to learn to uh, 
to balance the inner music with the outer music, a little bowl to help your monkeys hang on one branch and listen, then you can get that for uh, 1500 for one of these is about 1500 pounds. Yeah, a little less than that, depending on what wood you want it on. You could get one for about 1200. Yeah. If you want a bowl like this, that um, is, is a performance bowl. And when you sing into that, you can hear how my voice changes if I speak into it rather than direct. So singers use this bowl, it's lightweight, you can hold it up easily, and for singing into... To bring your voice into harmony with the music. It's a, it's a lovely performance tool. Yeah. Um, or, so they're about two and a half thousand. If you want one like this, that's a, that's a dozen strings. If you want one like this with 17 strings on it. That's about three and a half thousand. Um, in, in walnuts, walnuts are a, a, um, a richer sound than most woods, but it's not just about good and bad, the quality of the sound. You're talking to the trees, yeah? yeah. So the walnut brings walnut energy, and walnut is the elder. Um, I must just uh, plug the, the, the laptop in to get more power. Getting, um, running a radio station over here. God damn. Uh, I'm having a ball. Okay. Um, guys, I apologise if I have been ignoring you, but... Um, I'm in my element here with Tobias and um, I'm just enjoying everything. You guys are getting an incredible view, insight, understanding of the true harmonic resonance, the concordance of our planet and how we fit in to that resonant tone and frequency. So enjoy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was talking about walnuts, yeah? You see, now, walnut, the, the, the brain-shaped fruit inside the shell-shaped case, inside the green uh, fruit, yeah? So you have the nut and the case and the fruit. And the fruit uh, is an insecticide. Walnut juice is an insecticide. Uh, people take it as a vermifuge. And um, uh, the gypsies in Northwest Europe use it um, to, to deal with uh, ticks and, uh, and fleas and stuff. Okay. Um, and it darkens the skin, yeah? So you have this darkening, this wrinkling, this uh, aged look that walnut brings, yeah? So what walnut is doing is it's, it's showing you that it's an elder. And the voice of walnut is the voice of, of um, good counsel, yeah? Whereas the voice of ash is the voice of enthusiasm. <laughs> So if you compare that, that to, um, to the walnut one, oh, wow. yeah, you might be able to, to detect that there's just a little bit of poise in the, in the walnut. Yeah? Yes, yes, that's it. Yes. The Have you ever done a gum tree in Australia? Anything like I haven't. No, no. I, I work with my local trees. You see, these. This is my relationship. These are my friends. Yeah. yeah? Of course, of course, of course. Um, 
I, I have used Australian wind, uh, woods when I was doing sculpture and stuff, but since I went into the music, um, I'm working more and more with the beings around me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this birch came from the woodland, from the valley I live in. Uh, this, this hawthorn came from just over the hill. Yeah. This yew came all the way from Shropshire. Um, because you of that size is almost unobtainable. I've never seen you this size before. That big one with the dark and the light on it that I was showing you. This ash is, is from my neighbor's garden. <laughs> these, are, these are local beings. Yeah? And um, together, as I described to you earlier, together the tree and the eye are working to release the teacher that lives within everything. Yeah. Manufacturing makes servants out of matter for us. That's what the machine does. It offers to serve us and then becomes our master. Yeah. But when you don't make when you don't make matter into a servant, but you reveal its inner nature. That's what transubstantiation really is. There you yeah, go. It, That's the magic word. Let's talk about transubstantiation. Yes. Okay. So, Ash, tell me, what would you like to know about transubstantiation? Well, well I'm assuming, I mean, the ellipse, right? The ellipse on the top of the bowl, right? The, 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 is it a con? What is that? Is it convex or concave or? So, when you make the bowl, yeah. it's round. But um, we make it so thin that the bottom, you can, if there's a bright sun, you can see light through the bottom. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's so thin. It's, it's, uh, it's like two millimeters thick. Okay. Yeah, in the bottom there. So up here, we've got like 35, 40 millimeters. Yeah. And then that papers down so that the bottom is thinner than a match. And yeah. that releases the high notes. Yeah. Right. I see. So does substantiation of all the tones really get reinforced through the ellipse on the top? Is that what kind of embodies that? Is that what it is? Um, the circle, as we dis discussed, the circle is, is the divine mother. Yes. Yeah? It's yes. the perfection. It holds everything. And when the strings pull the circle out... Okay. into something a little bit more elliptical when the pressure of the strings bends the rim upwards up at the edge there yeah and pulls the base in uh, when that happens it's like you, you're tensioning the circle and that which is in perfect harmony enters into an emotional relationship yeah it's no longer fully relaxed yeah it's it's under a bit of tension and that's the state of the human soul all the time yeah, there is no time when we are completely and fully relaxed. Yeah, um, you would float away if you completely let go. You would float away. Um, there are moments when we can experience the non-dual. Yeah, there are moments when we can find ourselves seemingly in total harmony with everything. We're experiencing an aspect of ourselves. Yeah, but always we fall back into duality because we are incarnate beings. And the fact that we are incarnate beings puts a pressure on us, gives us mirror consciousness, awakens freedom, and means that we've got a problem to solve. Yeah? So by pulling the circle slightly out, you are bringing that, the perfect circle into a, into a human relationship. And all the music and the harmony, everything now is part of growing the relationships that bring us back towards the perfect circle.
Now let's let's tr let's test the theory. So basically, when you bring Adrian Friedman's material and his particular um, healing flute and your bowls together, this creates an incredible fused harmony, doesn't it? Ultimately, yet both of them come from a natural resonance because they both come from a certain fashion piece of wood with love and, 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 and intention and all that kind of thing. Yes. The music that you've created, um, when you record it, where do you record it? I'm, I'm trying to get a handle on, you know, you don't go into a recording studio to do this sort of thing, right? You just get good microphones and a beautiful room with a lot of resonance and you get nice and up close and personal and you capture whatever is breathing in and out, you know, going through the inhale and the exhale process. Have you ever thought of documenting that, that whole capture and recording process? You know, um, in an ideal world, we wouldn't be recording stuff. In an ideal world, all music would be live and then more people would be musicians because more music would be needed because there's no recorded music. Yeah. When you record something, whether you record it on film or whether you record the sound, when you make a record or something, even if you write it down, yeah, you, you, you take the surface of something and you don't take its content. Okay. Yeah? okay. So the nature the nature of the spoken word is that it creates concepts and concepts are part of mirror consciousness. Yeah. So if you want to enter into the true nature of something, you drop words and you, you go into a wordless meditation, your monkeys hang and you just observe you. Yeah. There you are. Um, focused attention without anything to focus on. And the world passes through you as it passes in front of you. So when Adrian and I were recording, we were both working with our different spiritual traditions and different meditative approaches to bring harmony between things that weren't instantly in harmony. A flute comes from a Japanese Zen tradition. The sounding bowls come from the esoteric Christian shamanic tradition. And um, to bring those two things together took a certain amount of effort. At the time, his studio was a hexagonal garden shed, and whether the six-sided um, <laughs> whether the six-sided uh, helped or not, I don't no, know. It but didn't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> not a shed. What made of what made of corrugated iron? Uh, no, it was made of of of, uh, of wooden laths. Oh, wooden lath. Okay, like a lattice. Um, uh, no, just uh, t, t and G boarding, tongue and groove boarding. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he had a few rugs hanging on the walls, and we had um, we had a couple of. Uh, he had a particular curved soft resonator to hold the sound of his flute in, um, and I had to be particularly careful not to let my chair creak. <laughs> and. Um, and yes, we had a pair of matched microphones and, uh, and off we went. And then he's, he, he's got good sound software and he knows how to use it. And he put a very professional and disc. Yet, and yet, when, when I listen to it and I, and I, and I pull the wave up, up on, my, on my door, I can see that, there, that the peaks, 
the peaks of the higher resonant notes actually distort and quite strongly. Right. It yeah. needs normalizing. But the minute you normalize something, you are automatically pulling away its natural resonance. Yes, quite. So you see quite. the compromise. Everything in sound and sound production is really about taking away in order to create more space for what's important, right? Yes. So the yes. reason I brought that up is that if I did come to the UK when I'm allowed to travel again and fly to another country, if you gave me the opportunity, I would like to really be able to um, work in a co-creative capacity with you to capture the bowls the way they should be captured. I would love that. And take you to a cave, right, for instance, and yes. set up some piezo. Like yes, there's a mics on the side of the fucking cave, you know. There's, there's a cave just a couple of hours from here, um, that's uh, deep inside a cave system. It's a place where the underground river, when it floods, um, s swirls inside this cave, and over the centuries, it's built up a perfect dome cave, quite remarkable. The acoustic in there is beautiful. Wow. And they do have concerts in there from time to time. To record in there would be wonderful. Can wonderful. You do, can you do concerts? Can you do shows in there? It's a circular cave. Uh, and yes, you can do. Yes, you can do. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's it. That's definitely the place to go, you know, because one of my compadres, who is an incredible intuitive musician, um, Ricky, he's in Kent. I think it's Kent or whatever. But um, his mother lives very, very close to the road down towards Devon or whatever like that. So I wanted to ask if he could come down and visit and have an opportunity to hear the, hear the bowls in their natural environment and maybe talk to you a little bit about the whole idea of recording something because the world needs to hear them, you know. And let's face it, when you put stuff on YouTube or other social media, it's such a compressed frequency. It does no good for anybody, really. Right. I've been trying to say that people go to my band camp to buy my albums and I go, don't buy them because it's MP3 or an yeah. M4A. You've lost all its presence. It doesn't really have a rounded, you know, um, uh, frequency balance. Why don't you instead get in touch and I'll send you a Dropbox with WAV files. And that way, at least you get the highest resolution audio for your dollar. If you're going to spend a few dollars, then get what you should get. Yeah. Yeah. And for instance, like there's a lot of people that I'm talking to at the moment who do a lot of crystal tuning forks and they do, you know, and they do harmonic tuning forks and all that kind of thing. And they record it and they make it available on their website, and they're like mm. 128K MP3s, and I go, who's going to... You can't heal your asshole with that. <laughs> you can't. I'm sorry, you're deluded. Why do you, why do, you do this? Yeah. And they go, well, it's the intention. It's, it's the subliminal, subconscious mm. intention I put into the toning that is, is what I'm selling, and I went, well, I'm sorry. No. It's amazing, though. You know, I mean, when I first put stuff on the Internet, um, even just little sound samples, what's this bowl like? What's that bowl like? I thought this is never going to this, this is never going to reach people. You can't touch people like that. 
but still, you know, some people were touched. Some people said they felt it in their legs. Some people said they, they felt themselves melt. Some people were reduced to tears just on a screen. You know? And I go, why? What is happening? The thing is, Mike, that in spite of our fumbling inadequacy, our spirit masters, our spirit guides are everywhere. And if ready and willing, they can go through the screen experience and be met by the guides that come from behind the sounding bolts. They are spaceless and timeless. And if, if you're ready and willing, everything in the material world is, is, is transparent. You know, like a Venetian blind, yeah? When the Venetian blind is closed, all little laps are, 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 are like that, on top of each other, yeah? Yes, yes. And when you open it, it's like that. And you can see through it, yeah? Matter is like that. And when you sit quietly with the right level of devoted wonder attention, matter does that. And the light shines through. Gotcha. Yeah? And when matter opens, you see the beings behind matter in the same way as you see the view outside your window when you turn the Venetian blind. Brilliant. Yeah. Again, bottle it, sell it. It's perfect. <laughs> and this, <laughs> and when you do that to something, you know, when you take a stone or a piece of wood or a flower or a piece of bread and you give it that level of attention. And when the blind opens, the light that shines through enters into that stone or that bread or that flower. And that's what they call transubstantiation. Yeah? And, and that's what that shaman who came to my studio said. He pointed out to me what I should have known but didn't dare believe that when you give enough focus, enough attention to the point of the cut, so you've got a big piece of wood spinning on the lathe, you've got a big tool in your hands, as you say, like a crowbar, you've got this heavy machine screwed to the ground, holding it all steady. And at the point of your tool, which is sharpened so fine that it's invisible, you cannot see a sharp edge. You can see it once it's blunt, but you cannot see a sharp edge. Yeah, that's invisibly fine steel is separating the cells from the cells of the wood in a little patch. And that's streaming over your tool. That is what we call the cold face. That's where everything's happening. If you're putting your love and attention into that, those shavings go, oh, yes. And they dance in front of you. Yeah. And then transubstantiation happens. And every sounding bowl has had that quality of attention put into it. Every sounding bowl is carrying the light and it will continue to carry the light until it is maltreated. And only then will the blind close again. Yeah. This is why sounding bowls change people's lives. This is why sounding bowls become friends on people's journeys because they're carrying the light this concept that you've just brought forward, it's the first I've ever heard it. And it's something that I'm going to do research on. I want to be able to implement it in my life. 
to recognize those different levels, as you said, of, of fusing those expressions together. And perhaps that could be the basis of further discussion. Because it sure. sounds to me as if it could be the foundational core of a new language. Yes. A language that embodies a deeper natural resonance with the earth. Yes. Yes. And I can yes. understand that because I'm fixed earth. I'm a Taurus, right? With Mercury rising, right? right. Yeah. Very, very auspicious. And the fact yeah. that Uranus is in, in Taurus at the moment for the next seven years after coming out of Aries and poor Chiron is still stuck there in Aries at the moment, you know, and we're all feeling the, the fallout of the wounded healer more and more, which is why I believe things like what you're doing are important and why I very quickly got drawn to you through Jen Wilson, right? Jen Wilson was the one who brought me to your, brought me to your attention brought you to my attention, I should say. So this transubstantiation, I believe from the very limited level of your discussion with me is the basis of a new transhuman experience. <laughs> Lovely. I mean, to use that word transhumanism in a new way, <laughs> that's, that's, that would be the real, wouldn't wow. it? Right. That, that we don't ascend in our spirituality, but that we soften in our spirituality and we open up to the material world so that the material world sings just to be looked upon. <laughs> when we can do that, then, then the, the, the world will forge forwards. Absolutely. So, so this is a message, right? That's why we have these mediums, brother to be able to use these mediums for serious connection. This is not frivolity. This is not throw it over your shoulder and, you know, it'll work out if you want it to. This is more about being diligent. I've always said you need to do the shadow work in order to align to the higher ideals of who you are because your darker shadow self wants to walk, walk in illuminated darkness with you and it wants a voice and it wants to be heard, and it has the right to be heard. You can't suppress it. But yeah. mankind is so good at suppression. It should be yeah. humanity suppressed always. <laughs> I don't understand why, but for eons and millennia and whatever you want to call it. So this new language that you're developing, this deeper resonance that you're sharing with the world, it's timely, Tobias. It's timely. And being timely gives it significance because its underlying theme is liberation. And I love anything to do with liberation. And if you think we felt liberated during 2020, then go back to the delusion and crawl under the rock because that's the point. Yes. How do you perceive life? Through what lens, through what filter do you choose to see self and the mirror of self through? Sound and music at the right frequency allows you to see it with clearer lenses. Yes, especially, 
and this is another thing that I, I'm working on here yeah, is to play ignorant music <laughs> to use if I may use that word ignorance in its purest sense not in the American sense yeah uh, to play music without knowing yeah so people a, a lot of people who've bought my bowls are people who have spent a lifetime thinking oh I'm just not musical I just can't do that and then they pick up one of these and they find that any note they play sounds good they can't hit a wrong note. They can't make it sound bad. Yeah? And when you can't make it sound bad, then you can't say, I'm not musical. Because all you have to do is do that. And there, in that one note, there are so many harmonics. That note, if you really listen to it, is a concert in itself. Yeah? So... The structure of the physical body is music. The structure of the cosmos around us is music. Time is flowing through us. And when you sit there and you listen to one note, and you say, what note goes best with this note? Was it that one or this one? Which note right now do I like the sound of with that one best? Let's say it's that one, because that's nice. Or, but let's say it's that one, yeah? So then you've got two notes, and that's all you've got, it's just two notes. You've got one note to listen to, and another note to answer it with. And then how do those two notes play together? What are they saying to each other? Is the one note saying, okay, I see you. Or is the one note saying, oh, come here, I love you. And if, if those two notes had a child, which note would it be? Would it be this one? Yeah, that's the one. That one, or that one? No, the other or one. That one? No, this one, okay, then anyway. Yeah. 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 And then if these three notes are having a bad day, what do they sound like? And if, they, if, if they've suddenly hit the peak moment of their lives, what do they sound like? So with no knowledge at all, you feel your way into music. And music feels its way into you. And so if they had another child, or if this child brought home a friend, which one would it bring home? This one? They're having a street party. Magic. Yeah? Absolutely. And you don't need to know anything. You don't need to know anything. Yeah? Music, ignorant music. I love it. It is so away from form, right? Yes. 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 Lose the form. 
Yes. Find you the don't... lucid vibration and yes. allow it to just like a ripple in a pond. Yes. You don't need a book. You don't need a name for the song. You don't need to rehearse. You don't need to perform. You just need to listen to the music. And then the music forms itself in you. And whatever you do, does to you. So when you listen to music, the music is listening to you. Yeah. And when the music is flowing, it's flowing into you, as well as out of your hands. Yeah. And when we allow music to flow in our lives, everything falls into place. Absolutely. Beautiful, my friend. Beautiful. I hope you guys have really got something out of this. I've just looked at the, uh, at the clock and we've been going for nearly three hours. <laughs> so we're going to wrap it there and let you get on with whatever you need to get on with my brother. Thank you so much. Honestly, please come back and share more with us. I really feel that what we did is we, we painted some broad brush strokes and our canvas is full of so much color, yet we have even more to shade in and fill in the, the points of interest in our tapestry. I would be very happy to pick any of these points up with you again, Mike, and work through some more. There's, I, I, I think you're right. When you first wrote to me, you said there is something that can come through between us that, that the, the world needs. Yes. So I think you, you're calling and I'm the bowl. You're playing me. Yeah. So let's, let's make some music. Let's make some music. Absolutely. And we can bring more, more of, of this through. As you can hear, we have been going for three hours. And it's great. And um, we look forward to... Uh, and for anybody who's listening, there's the YouTube channel, YouTube slash Tobias K. Let's do it. Sa- Hang on one second. Now, let me just pull the Twitter feed up because we need to do it on the Twitter feed. One second. All right. So everybody who's been listening, don't forget, go to magazine.today. Um, we've got our Twitter feed there, but we're just going to go into the Twitter feed now and I'm going to type in all the details. Are you ready? So here we go. This is going to be, uh, right. So, so it's animals.com. Hang on, hang on, hang on. got to move <laughs> around. And... All right, here we go. So first of all, your website is Tobias. No, the website is soundingbells.com. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Okay, here we go. All right, soundingbowls.com. Yep. The YouTube is YouTube slash Tobias K. Okay, just let me tweet that one out first. Okay, here we go. Now the next one. The YouTube is Tobias K, one word. Uh, YouTube slash Tobias K, one word, yes. Okay, hang on. YouTube slash. Oh, it's YouTube.com, I'm sorry. YouTube.com slash Tobias K. That's all right. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it. Okay, got it. Okay, so it's YouTube.com forward slash Tobias K for the the YouTube. Yep. Then the SoundCloud.com slash Sounding Bowls. SoundCloud slash Sound.com slash. Sounding bowls, one word. Yep. Okay. So, guys, you can go there. Um, there is a Vimeo channel. Um, 
I'm not quite sure what it is. There's not a huge amount on there anyway. You, you, the, the, all the latest stuff is on YouTube. Okay. All right then. Well, yeah. So, and do you have a Twitter feed? I don't. Okay. And Instagram, anything like that? Yep. Yep. Instagram slash sounding bowls. That's quite pretty. The Instagram account. I've got a little bit of help with that. Good. Good news. All right. Well, guys, there it is. We've given you a bunch of stuff to think about. Of course, the show will be available in the usual podcast parking area come Monday. And we'll repeat the broadcast Monday right through to Friday every every day from 8.15 to 10.15 p.m. So if you missed anything tonight, we'll be able to do that together. Tobias, thank you so much from my heart to your heart. I send you blessings. I send you absolute, the higher harmonic resonance of planet Earth and unified consciousness at every level in your life. Thank you for sharing. I hope you have an incredible day. And I'm just feel really lucky to share this time with you, my friend. Thank you. Well, Mike, it's been a delight and an honor to be on and to be heard. And your exploration of these themes one by one is really valuable. Thank you very much. My pleasure, my brother. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, my friend.